cred? Really cred? Oh my god. What's up guys? We're live here, same place, same time, different co-host. It's N Shadow, Eager Community Manager. I'm Cred, Eager Community Expert, and uh, we're here to bring you really with Cret and not FDOT, it's Unshadow instead. What's up, guys? How you doing today, my friend? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing lovely. I streamed since maybe 9, so I'm I wired. Watched, I watched some of it. That's good. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not jealous, or not mad at all. All right, so um, it's 5.07. The stream has started. Let's get it going. And I think I think the topic of this week that everyone's talking about, or they should be in the SPL, is upcoming stars. Uh, and it's pretty simple. When you talk about Europe, and I think this is a conversation that we'll delve into a little bit later as well. When you talk about Europe, and you say, who are the top three teams? Well, you go Fnatic, and then you think about it, and I go with Titan for number two. And then for number yeah. three, you think about it, and you're like, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> yeah. It's always a toss-up in EU but for that uh, third spot. Fnatic is obvious. And upcoming stars beating them was a surprise. Now, I think I think there's a few reasons why. So I, I want to I get to the why. What happened there? And to an extent, I think you have to look at Fnatic and mistakes that they made that allowed upcoming stars to take advantage of that game. But but what were your general thoughts? What you what were you thinking when when that happened? Um, I was looking a lot at the comps because you know that's always uh, something that you have to like sure. really strongly factor in. I think what uh, a lot of what happened was Fnatic overvalued the Circuit pick. Um, and uh, you know, uh, upcoming stars just had a, an answer for it with the Ares um, and the. Uh, really, they went for that double front line uh, that we're seeing so much more of lately. Yeah, shout outs to Guardian meta <laughs> and uh, the uh, you know Ymir uh, strength in that uh, secondary front yeah. line there to couple with the Ares. Uh, just so much CC uh, to keep the uh, circuit really locked down. I think part of it is definitely in the jungle, right? Like, Cherio's a player that in the middle of Season 1 went from support to jungle, and now that there's a meta where he can play support in the jungle, he's at home. Right, um, exactly. That's something that we've seen out of Dare to Care as well. Um, but I, I also I also think Fnatic made mistakes. I think they got outdrafted. Um, but... So yeah, yeah, let's I think the meta's part of it, right? You've got this hunter focus, you've got uh guardians being very, very strong, and I don't think that's something that Fnatic was really prepared for. Uh they went for Cat and they didn't really exploit it properly, which caused problems. But I think that's that's sort of like I don't think that explains like why that actually happened. Um or or at least maybe not on the deeper level. And what I think perhaps happened, and this is something that Badger said on Twitter a while back, um, there's a lot of pressure on you when you're the first seed. Um, you are expected to win every game. And I don't think that's really anything that the Fnatic boys have done before in this lineup, or at least for Badger, in a long time, back when he was on uh, Copenhagen Wolves and um, by poor method, right? Like, this is a team that is very good, but they've gotten very good over three seasons, over the preseason, season one, and now season two. And I don't think they're used to being on top the same way that C9 and TSM have. 
Yeah, that's very true. Um, it's, there's definitely so much pressure to, uh, to pour, uh, perform at uh, the highest level consistently throughout all your games. Um, but the only thing I think we got to be careful about when we uh, talk about the, uh, the matchup is that we don't you know, undervalue the performance of, uh, of stars, of course. While it is a lot of the story of uh, Fnatic, um, you know, maybe uh, getting overcome by that pressure a little bit. Uh, you know, so much of it does go to the credit of Stars. I feel like. I think Stars deserve the credit, and and this might be like, I don't think means the right word, but means the word I'm going to use. Mean analysis. I feel like Stars are inconsistent, and I think that's safe to say. Oh yeah. But of I course. think what makes Stars in in inconsistent is they're they're inconsistent backwards, right? Like, in every eSport, in every game, when you talk about someone who's inconsistent, they're probably pretty good, but just not all the time. I think stars are the opposite. I think stars are pretty bad, but sometimes they're not. Yeah. And we've <laughs> yeah. seen that against Trig, we've seen that against Fnatic, and that's fine, right? It's just a matter of how they can switch that on its head, how they can become more consistent or less consistent, really, how they can become less consistently weak and more consistently strong. I really hope Stars can do it because I think it's a wonderful story. It's the second one we've seen out of uh, out of the SPL like this with Agilitas, which originally was a pretty bad team. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's interesting, right? A team that season one was pretty consistently bad. And over the course of season two, when when we saw like and, and maybe even late season one, we saw like the the inklings of hope, the the little just hope that they would be really good and, and great performances and in individual plays, now that they I think they're learning to go from consistently bad to consistently good. That said Looking at Fnatic, a team that's been a roster for a long time, I think there's a lot of growth left through roster changes and, you know, all all that shit that everyone oh, else yeah, has gone sure. through. Yeah, I think another big uh, big factor with uh, upcoming stars is we've seen, like, throughout uh, each week, we usually see, like, a little bit of extremely solid performance from each player, like, individually, you know? But we never really see a cohesive effort from the sure, team. Sure. Yeah, that really uh, makes them shine uh, as a unit, and I think that's what we really saw in that game one versus Fnatic this week. I think that's what really, you know, uh, changed a lot of people's perspectives of the team in general. And I'd love to see more of that out of them. Even yeah, in I... game two, which they lost, you know, they they put up such a great effort, and they still uh, performed very well as a team. I think they did, and I think part of what made them good, like, I don't think stars are really in a situation like some of the higher tier teams, like Fnatic where they can make plays in such a way that their opponents are forced into a mistake or put into a situation where they're likely to make a mistake. I don't think that's something that upcoming stars are doing yet. But what they are doing well is I think when they see their opponents make a mistake, they're able to identify it, capitalize off of it, and make a play. And that's absolutely fantastic. That's something that's really cool to see from lower tier team because it's how you get the wins when you're a weaker team. Uh, as for Neckerman mentioned in chat, like... Upcoming stars, if they beat Dig, Dig gets relegated. And that's a big right. story as well. Dig has been having a lot of trouble um, this season. And, you know, it's it's hard to say why. I think, I think to an extent. And, I you know, it's really like 
armchair analysis. It's sort of like psychology thing. But I think to an extent, upcoming stars have hit the point where everyone expects them to lose so that there isn't pressure. It's can they take a game? And right. when they do, it's like, hell yeah, we won a game. Whereas for other teams, it's like, we didn't 2-0. This sucks. Right, it's the everything to lose versus, you know. Yeah, uh, nothing to lose nothing to with lose. the right attitude. Right, yeah. And I mean, they have that, like you noted, they have that playing up potential. Like, they they want to be, uh, you know, they want to change people's opinions of them and they have that uh, momentum going for them. They know that they have very individually strong players. And uh, as long as they keep the right kind of mindset and the right kind of drafts in mind, I think that the team has huge potential. All right, and Flare Boot, who probably has one of the most, like, colored histories in terms of people disliking him, <laughs> uh, says Digger, a team of veterans that are doing worse than the newbies relative to their opponents. And that's that's a big statement, but it's one that also, like, is true. Mm. Epindary, coach fanatic, going with the washed-up veterans. and So, damn. The EU scene, man. Damn, the banter. <laughs> the banter. Oh, man. Um, and, you know, as, as for Dig, who have very tenured players, I hope this isn't the end for them, right? I hope they figure out what they need to change, how they can improve, because right now Dignitas, ever since relegations, has looked piss poor. And, you know, once again, like, analyzing, it's like, I hope they prove me wrong. But that's right, my yeah. opinion of how they are right now. And I hope yeah. they're like, you know what? No, we ain't piss poor. You're piss poor. And they just, like, <laughs> destroy. But, uh, you know, Diggs, next three matchups, Trig, Fnatic, Epsilon, that's really hard. Exactly. They haven't performed uh, that well against the teams that they really need to perform well against, uh, the ones that they're expected to perform well against. And now how are they going to do um, kind of already beaten down here uh, going up against these uh, these other teams? It's kind of rough, man. Yeah, it's true. Um, other than uh, other than stars, of course, that's going to be a huge matchup, which the outcome will determine like pretty much everything. Uh, that's, with how yeah, those that's two basically teams go. avoiding relegations for stars and going there for Dignitas, uh, right. unless something really shocking happens. Um, but you know, early on, uh, early on, I mentioned with the Eda scene, you say Fnatic number one. And you think about it, and you're like, you know, I think Titan number two is safe. Yeah. Who's number three? Uh, some people put Epsilon in there. I personally put London Conspiracy. Some people put Epsilon above Titan, whatever. Um, but what are your thoughts? And I think the EU scene is finally getting this point where, like, yeah, man, it's sort of a big question as to who's uh, who's second, who's third, etc. Yeah, I think, personally, I'd agree with you. I'd go with London Conspiracy for that third spot. I just feel like... Um... You know they're one of the uh, the newer teams as well, uh, just starting to really uh, get that sort of uh, cohesiveness going with each other. And they're you know they're really bringing stuff to the table uh, lately. Like even um, with um, what was the uh, the big event called that uh, you know that uh, uh, the uh, HP. Omen Challenge. Yeah, the Omen Challenge. Even in that, like they were shining. You know, they're yeah. crowd favorites, um, and they're they have such a nice, like a big fan base and things that they're really growing themselves. I feel like so much as a team uh, in every area. You know, so I feel like they're both performing better and uh, showing uh, themselves better. It's true, but it's also important to mention that um, 
Titan hasn't played up against like their difficult opponent, their most difficult opponents yet, right? Titan's right. got the hardest matches to come. Uh, this week, it's uh, Titan versus Trig, which Titan should probably win if they want to prove that they're up there. But then after that, Titan versus Epsilon, Titan versus Stars. Stars really, I think, now becoming the upset kings, right? And week seven, yeah. the perfect place for this match. The perfect place is Titan versus Fnatic. Right now, though, Titan's 6-0, and that's the best score in the uh, EU, EU uh, scene, which is really right, yeah. kind of fascinating. You know, I think uh, London Conspiracy had the um, potential to take a game, at least, off of Titan, mm -hmm. but that being a week one first game uh, sort of scenario, it's it's really rough, you know, coming in as uh, that underdog team against someone as, as big as Titan before anything really gets going. Uh, they're not that comfortable yet, and it was a little rough that they had to fight them that early, so I feel like personally, um, had that matchup occurred a little bit later in the season, it could have went uh, either 1-1 or possibly even in uh, London Conspiracy's favor the way that they're playing right now. So I think, yeah, Titan has had... Uh, a lot of success uh, so far, and I'd like to see how it goes uh, into the second half now. Yeah, um, I don't know, but like, all right, so I feel like that's a decent idea of what's happening in EU. Still, like, I guess the one other thing is there's this rhetoric from the European fans, the European players, Epsilon Esports is one of the best teams in Europe. You know, they're number one, they're number two, they're number three. I haven't seen that yet, and I'm still waiting. Like I gotta agree, yeah. Epsilon went, I think, 2-0 versus Stars. They went 1-1 versus London Conspiracy, and 1-1 with Trig, is it? And it's just sort of like, eh, that's, that's not that right, great. Right, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And the same way we were saying with London Conspiracy and uh, Stars kind of gaining momentum as the season goes on, those were early matchups versus them for uh, Epsilon. So I, I feel like it doesn't really establish that much of their dominance yet. Um, I feel like some of the players uh, on Epsilon have been a little inconsistent, like especially Emilito. You haven't been able to, like, I don't know, I haven't been able to pinpoint where he is uh, all the time uh, throughout the season. Sure. And, yeah. On the other hand, though, like... I don't know. I'm just waiting for waiting for this Epsilon thing to happen. As Idris mentions in chat, uh, you know, they've lost some games because of picks, but it's like, they still lost games because of picks. And then, you know, you've got London Conspiracy, a team that has, I think, overperformed and is finally finding a place in Europe. But honestly, I think this wasn't the most interesting SPL week, like, in NA even, right? AFK beats Enemy. Denial beats Cog. Uh, TSM beats Eager. Like, it was close, but... And C9 beats Legion. Like, nothing really too shocking happened in NA. And EU, I think the real story is, like, the stars and then catching up in the standings. But what I actually want to talk about... And I think part of this has to do with... If I remember correctly, I believe Meerkat, the sole leader for Cog, um, is taking the SAT next weekend. So I believe he's not able to like play or something like that. And Smite has this interesting situation where a lot of our pro players, TSM being the perfect example, are very young. And I think that's very interesting because what do you do when you have someone who is a professional gamer and they still have to go to high school? How do right. you handle that? 
Yeah, um, I have a lot of personal experience uh, in this area because I was, uh, you know, a professional Smash Brothers player uh, for Super Smash Brothers Brawl mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, you know, I traveled a lot for events and things, uh, and I gotta say, it's very, very difficult to prioritize school over gaming when you're having so much success in it. So, like, I and got- so much fun. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. You know, the, all the friends you're making. Uh, I honestly think um, being a part of a gaming community helps you mature a lot faster. If you're, you know, it depends on how you go about it. Some people don't mature for sure. Right. Some people <laughs> but, spend all their time in Spike Game Chat. Yeah, yeah. But um, it gives you the potential to like really broaden your horizons so much with traveling, with uh, earning more money than another kid would from just like a part-time job mm-hmm. at that age, things like that. And um, it really presents you with a whole different world than the people around you. So it starts to kind of separate yourself from uh, uh, from the pack uh, in regards to your other like classmates and things like that. So it's in, it's a really interesting dynamic. All right. So I think there are two two different stories I want to tell here. Story number one: Divios, right? Um, originally played on like an amateur team, ended up not working out. Joins TR five. Uh, doesn't really work. He actually. So he played on amateur team. He was kind of a jerk and got a little bit of a bad rap, if I remember correctly. So he changes his name to Reborn, joins TR5, which historically was like the team that good teams disband if they lose to, right? They were like the gatekeepers of being good. Um, And that doesn't work out, but he just sort of changed his attitude. He took uh he took the game seriously and he played a lot of solo queue um and eventually it got him onto the game changers now tsm right and i think uh <laughs> i think divio's grew up a lot or not grew up because he's still young and like that's part of who he is that's part of his play and not young in a bad way but just like he's young um, but he matured. I think Divio, mm-hmm. Divios is one of the more mature players in the professional scene. He is a professional. He treats people well. He's a right. very nice yeah. guy. And he takes the game deadly serious when it comes down to it. And he giggles uncontrollably as he murders you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, he's very careful about what to say, it seems. Yeah. Or if maybe he doesn't even have to be careful. Maybe he's just that, you know... Uh, uh honest of a person and he's like you know very well spirited and everything like that Mm -hmm. um and yeah he's he's an excellent um uh he's an excellent like figure for uh for the smite community i think especially for the younger scene yeah he is i think he's a great role model which is definitely part of it and you know that's a whole nother discussion um (laughs) that's a very deep discussion (laughs) but i think divios is a story of someone who has played games competitively and despite his age he has made it, he has grown from it, and he is he is a consummate professional, which is absolutely awesome, and maybe, hopefully, can craft a future for himself through playing games um, and being involved in esports and Smite and stuff like that. You know, he has a bright future ahead of him. Then there's right. the other side of the coin, and I think Wait, the other side of the coin is Mask. Have... Oh, oof, okay. And here's my point. Mask was a fantastic player. He was a great jungler. But I think because of his age, and his so immaturity, <laughs> the way he acted, he 
his maturity sabotaged his ability to play professionally and eventually deprived him of the opportunity as he got a year-long ban. Um, and, you know, not to go into that conversation, but, like, the dude got banned five times. I've right. never gotten banned, and I've called people shitter, idiot, retard feeders. <laughs> and, like, I probably shouldn't do that, and no one should really do that. But, you know, it happens, you get mad. But, like, it takes effort to get oh, yeah. banned five times. Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of have to People complain about it because, like, they'll report people, and then they'll see them in their games again and be like, why haven't they gotten banned? It's that difficult, and my man... Well, I mean, to be fair, that's also, like, a flawed argument a little oh, yeah. bit. Because, like, you don't know. Maybe they got a three-day ban. Now they're back that's in your tr- games. That's true. He but, got a year. <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people... Yeah, there you go, Meer- Meerkat says he got over 40 reports in a month <laughs> on the alt account that got him banned. Like, Jesus. you're trying at that yeah. point. You just really don't care. You know, there's no concern for your image, uh, especially while you're representing an organization. You know, the people, that's a big thing that kids have to understand uh, when they sign up with, uh, you know, when they sign a contract, man. They, you are now representing a brand and an organization uh, that is very large. You know, it's a very big responsibility and it comes with, you know, you have to be mature about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like that's that's really what it is like he wasn't able to be mature he and unfortunately that immaturity sabotaged his potential he could have been really good yeah but phenomenal player like one of the best raw talent wise that i've ever seen you know like when you look at like like not talking about all of the players in the SBL. I'm talking about like raw talent wise in like ranked and things like anyone that you're just looking at randomly uh, in a ranked game, like this kid shined all the time. He was insanely talented. And yet, you know, I think his attitude screwed that up. So, right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Last thoughts on the subject. Like it's, I think it's an interesting problem though. Because you have people that are competing professionally. They're athletes. They're representing organizations. They're doing a full-time job. And the problem is that some people are young. And it it creates weirdnesses with with age, with maturity, with real-life obligations that someone who is generally doing a full-time job like gaming can be um like you know when lasses or whatever did full-time smite two years ago like someone who doing that doesn't have to deal with i think that's really interesting right. uh, to an extent that's even worse than like sort of the game hobbyist right there's certainly people probably even in the professional community i think elbert chacho uh former player for a high uh thirst and current player for a high five i'm pretty sure like he missed an SPL game because he had to he had to go to work one day. And like, mm. sure, but like you sort of control your destiny there. Yeah. On the other hand, when you're a kid, like you can't just like not go to school. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a choice. And on that note, I'd like to know what Diviosis report card looks like. Do we have a copy, crap? I think Barracuda probably does all his homework for him. <laughs> <laughs> because you know you see um we're talking wait, about wait where's Spiff? that's a really good yeah. headline <laughs> <laughs>
we were talking about how mature he is, you know, how, how well he's shining as, uh, as a figure in the community. Um, but I'd like to know if he is really balancing, uh, like school priorities and things well, uh, along with that, you know, cause on one hand it could be so overwhelming and you can get so absorbed in your professional, uh, career that you've now made for yourself that you kind of abandon, uh, the values of like things like school and stuff. Um, because it's more like, it's more immediate. It's right there. You're getting money from it right now. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, something that you're doing every day. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd like to know if that, uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna find him. I'm gonna <laughs> get his report card. There you go. Yeah. Get his grades. And if he doesn't do well, he can't go to LAN. Yeah. Yo, yeah. like if we go, I'm yeah, hoping, no I'm hoping Tavios no fails those classes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, the after party is canceled. Divius uh, doesn't get uh, at least a 3.0. The after party is canceled. Yeah. Divius doesn't get a 3.0. That would be awful. There would still, of course, probably be an after party in a hotel room or something. <laughs> Land events are fun and you should go. Um, so, yeah, but I think I think the next conversation that comes off of this, and, you know, once again, like, sort of continuing off of, off of the baby rage, off of the Divius... I think Divios is a good role model, though, right? Like, he is responsible, he's mature, he's professional, he doesn't rage. He's not on right. the list of people where you see them tweet angrily at Hi-Rez, like... And that's a long list. I don't think I've oh, seen yes. it from Divios. Maybe once. Maybe he was like, I really don't like this Guardian meta. But even then, he put it quite nicely, if I recall. Oh, yeah. He's never like, you know, F these guys, they're ruining my game. Like, you know, shit like that. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. very polite, yeah. Very well-spoken. And... I think Tavius is a great role model. Um, and so that leads into an interesting discussion of another kind. Professional players. And I also think this is interesting considering you come from the FGC where I don't think it's the case from what I know of, you know, watching events like Evo and stuff. In Smite, professional players are role models. They represent the game. They represent the community. They represent their organizations. There's a lot of pressure on them to act a certain way. To an extent, I think it's understandable to say that maybe this is too much, maybe there's too much pressure, and, you know, like, everyone has a bad game. Everyone calls someone an idiot. On the other hand, they're role models. But, so, so what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think it's too much pressure? Um, I think it, uh, you know, comes into play a lot with what we were talking about, maturity. You know, it's just... Uh, the people that are going to fail in that aspect are the ones like Mass that can't handle it, you know? And it seems like, uh, um, I don't know, other than that, I, I think it's really a positive thing because it kind of demands you uh, to, to step up to the plate and, uh, and really be more, I guess. But I mean, you know, that's kind of a double-edged sword because at the same time, anything that's demanding that much of you can also be destructive in ways, so... So yeah, I think definitely it's a tricky, yeah, very tricky topic. <laughs> I mean, there are definitely some players that are not good role models. Mm -hmm. um, Weekend. <laughs> not so much. Uh, um, still a great guy, but... Um, the thing is, though, like, I think it's just natural. I think it's just a part of being a professional player. Like, if you're the best chunga player in the world people who like chunga are gonna look up to you oh yeah, yeah. and if you That's... like if you call people shitters then that's kind of disappointing like um 
I don't know, man. There are some really good role models, but, like, not everyone is suited for it as well. Yeah, and it's interesting, uh, like you said, uh, I come from the FGC, or, you know, not even the FGC, lower, lower spectrum FGC, Brawl. Yeah, Brawl before Smash was even uh, more, you know, it's more Right, now Smash, now, now, like, you look at any FGC event, and it's like, let me look at the schedule. All right, we got Mortal Kombat, Injustice, what's that doing there? Street Fighter, that, like, one Tekken game from 18 years ago. <laughs> and then they're like, and on our other stream, Smash. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And now they, they've made it to that other stream. But back when I was playing, you know, it was just, like, very, very grassroots, you know, small events. Uh, and then, you know, it, it still had its major events, but they weren't sponsored by large organizations. It wasn't, uh, you know, there was no, like, uh, there was maybe one Evo, things like that. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's it just goes to show like the the impact of your decisions and things was not nearly as uh, drastic in that kind of a community because uh, you're only representing yourself. Uh, That's you know, very true. Yeah, you don't have anyone else uh, that you have uh, you know backing you or behind you that you're uh, also a part of. So you make your own image in the FGC. Uh, you you represent yourself, and that's it. So it so it's quite you know it's quite different it's it's a lot to uh, uh, to transition into. That's true. It it is very different in that you're you're your own image. I mean, like mm-hmm. an example I want to use is Dare to Care. Dare to Care mm-hmm. has at best a sordid past when it comes to the way he presents himself publicly, and <laughs> part of creating a good image for Eager has been like me reading his tweets. <laughs> <laughs> Or just, you know, sort of being like, hey, man, remember that you represent not just yourself. You also represent us. You have to approach things the right sort of way. Like, there are some people who did that naturally. Barracuda, very good at it. Captain Coach, very good at Incon as well. And there are some people that have a little bit more trouble. There are some people who don't even try. Um, But... It's yeah. I think it's interesting it's... to see those people like like there that like you can tell that there's something um, that they really want to say, <laughs> but they're, and they they're just censoring don't say themselves. You know, and that's good. You know, he's doing a lot better of a job of trying. I think to censor. it's like I think I think Dare is someone who wants to talk but doesn't, mm. which is I respect him very much for. Yeah, uh, there are people who obviously like just don't really give a shit, and then there are people who just don't talk like at all they don't have that oh, public presence yeah right i one cycle field yes oh my god damn it you got me yeah that's exactly your what i was gonna say man yeah I, C- cyclone like just cyclone. yeah you don't really hear from him that's not he who he is he expresses himself who is through his play right yeah that's true that's very very his true. play is pretty um, bm i mean have you play, seen the way he jumps yeah <laughs> Yeah, his play and his his image just as a younger uh, gamer with so much raw talent, you know, it's usually people either love him for that or they hate him because he's beating their favorite teams, you know, (laughs) and that's about it. You know, you don't have that much else to go by with Cyclone, at least yet. I think he's starting to become a little bit more vocal. Sure. Uh, He's definitely starting to, um, you know, uh, put himself in a better position in the community and stuff. And I've, I've only seen good things so far. I'm not. Yeah. Mostly Volcania. Yeah, Mostly. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Volcania, that's just, yeah. <laughs> How did we not mention there that you originally? Go. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think part of it is uh, learning what what you want your brand to be and how to do that right. Omega, I think, is someone... Omega got, like, permanently banned 
for being an asshole. But it was before there was a rule about that. He's the reason there is one. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Omega, they didn't have a rule that was like, if you're permanently banned from Smite, you can't play competitively. So he was allowed to play on a Smurf, and then they made the rule. But, um, excuse me. But Omega has since then honed his image into, he's not really BM. Right. I'd say he is bad-mannered, but, like, BM has this slightly different connotation, and he's he's just sort of, like, the 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 bad boy of Smite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. He has that overwhelming confidence, too, and he has that kind of aura around him that, like, either when you're going against him or when you see him in the room, like, he, you know, he, uh, he is Omega, man. <laughs> he's a heel. He's a heel from, like, wrestling, yeah. right? Like, he's yeah, just yeah. the bad guy, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. One of the things that uh, after and I did, we I think it was the playoffs. Uh, Bart was like, "All right, you're gonna do a pregame show." I I, don't, I, I think it was Bart. I don't remember. Who it was. He was like, "All right, we want you guys to do a pregame show. We're gonna pro player interview them." And me and Fdot were like, "Omega, it's right, gonna be awesome!" This. Yeah, <laughs> because it was awesome. Omega has a great personality when properly played up the fact that he's a he's a bad boy he's a heel and i think that's so cool i think that's totally okay but i also think omega does a good job of not not crossing lines right like omega is the guy that says you can't beat me i'm better than you but he doesn't play i don't think like he publicly says like you're horrible you should probably uninstall this game right because that's crossing that line he Mm -hmm. works it for himself to show himself to like just be to have an ego to present that ego in a way that's I'm better than you and not you're bad and that's that's basically it's just fine. An in- yeah it's basically it's just intimidation now rather than you know it's the intimidation of, Ome- yeah. of Omega's presence and his stance rather than him trying to make you feel bad which is a very good thing like I went up against him in Joust several times and like I would get so worried. I'm like, oh my god, it's Omega, dude. The things that I've heard this guy <laughs> has said to people. And, you know, it's a game mode yeah, that he totally. doesn't really care about. So, like, I beat him in it uh, the majority of the times we played and stuff, and I'm like, oh, shit, maybe he, like, All right, stop talking shit, game. Shadow. Yeah. <laughs> stop talking shit. <laughs> nah, no. Nah, I already said he didn't take it seriously, man. So, I'm like, you know, and I'm like, I beat him in it, and I'm like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? And I messaged him. I was like, yeah, this was a stupid matchup, like, to, to be like, you know, because it was in, in my favor drastically. And then he was just like joked around and was like yeah yeah that uh oh well man you know that's how it is and like he he was really cool you know i think he's done a good job of being much cooler and more uh more approachable in the community which is nice um bagel in chat having a really good tweet which i've just retweeted said uh a while ago about last week the difference between bm and confidence is whether you're speaking about your opponents or yourself like Mm. dude perfect yeah exactly and i think Omega speaks about himself. He's the best. Yeah. It's not that you're bad. You might be very good, but he's the best. You can't beat him. Um, so, I don't, I don't know. But, like, then you, have, then you have people who I think are thrown into the limelight, and they're not prepared. And to an extent, like, like I don't want to straight up say if someone suddenly becomes a professional player, they suddenly become a role model. I don't want to necessarily say that it's their fault 
Well, I mean, it is their fault. But I don't want to say that we should blame them when they act like an asshole, if that's, like, how they are, right? Like, some people are just kind of rude. That's that's a fact of life. Oh, uh, yeah. That's but when they're, struck, uh, when, they're, when they're shoved into a role where they have to present themselves differently, it's their fault. The way that they're responsible for the way that they act, but I yeah. don't think it is necessarily like their fault if they don't know how to act accordingly. That's what I want to say. Right. The question is then. Then whose fault is it? No, more like how do you like... how do you educate those people? Right. That's what I was gonna say. Like, where are they supposed to learn it from? Though, yeah. from their yeah, organizations. Yeah, yeah. Like, you think that the organizations should have like and I don't more think esports with... is really at that level yet. At least in Smite, maybe other organ other organizations probably do have PR guys like sit down and be like, "All right, don't tweet this." Right. Um, you know, don't ever tweet anything even remotely racist. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, Smite doesn't have people to do that. Maybe you have a coach who could be like, listen, dare, before you tweet. <laughs> and maybe you don't. maybe. <laughs> but then there's also different, like, and then there's, like, Call of Duty, where it's like, all right, just find someone you hate and just tweet something mean at them every day. <laughs> That's Call of Duty. <laughs> At least from what I've seen on Drama Alert. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that it makes the it makes it a lot more um, a lot more sportsmanlike, of course. Uh, something that a lot more people want to get into uh, if they don't have that negative connotation of like angry gamers raging at each other and things like that. You know, it just makes an overall more appealing environment. So I think it's something that we should really be putting our efforts into, and something that I honestly, as an objective, uh, you know, um, an objective like spectator in most uh, scenarios up until I joined with Eager now, um, was looking at organizations and was being like, wow, why would they allow their player to, to say this kind of thing? You know, like if, uh, if that sort of situation arose. So I feel like it's something that more people are kind of expecting out of organizations now. And I think the organizations need to, uh, need to change along with that. I think part of it is, as Lightfist said, you know, their parents are responsible, should have taught them to be a decent human, respects others, and they are hashtag tolerance and respect. Like, yeah, dude, that should have happened. It's really sad that it didn't, but at the same time, being like it's their parents' fault doesn't really fix anything, doesn't change anything. There has, I think there should be, like, a solution, like, a, a way, what do you do to teach these people how to, how to, um, act appropriately and what actually what is actually important like what's uh what's the important way to act appropriately what matters and i think what it comes down to now this is obviously like almost a tumblr discussion mm -hmm, yes but how does being offended work is i think the key question here and my answer just sort of from the top of my head would be like or what is something offensive? And I think there's like a general body of things that you probably shouldn't say that could <laughs> yeah. maybe hurt someone's feelings. And to be fair, like that's legit. Like, dude, my dad has cancer or had mm. cancer or something. I don't know. He's in remission or something. Like, if you say that queuing 
arena is cancer it's like that's weird for me i'm not right. necessarily offended but like it's just like Ugh. yeah it's like these sensitive topics so you know that people like like you as a human being should know that other people are going to be affected by this you know even if it doesn't affect you you know maybe even if you're you know uh somebody very close to you had cancer or something but you're very desensitized to mm -hmm. you know the way that words uh work in different connotations of things you got to understand that other people aren't i just think it's about respect you know it's about respecting other people um and why would you really want to put yourself in that position where sure. you might really upset someone that uh, i think i think there are two different things there's one there's this general body of things that are offensive and th this is a little bit of social commentary but like we all sort of know that now it's different from culture to culture and esports being global complicates this but like in america there's this thing cloud of things that are offensive and you probably shouldn't talk about and then there's the second level that's more like in the team stuff, your coach should manage it, and like player communications or attitudes and stuff, where it's like just at how you act around the people around you, stuff like that. So I think a lot of it comes down to like someone just needs to be there and be like, hey man, that hurts my feelings. Right, yeah, it's just awareness of of the i guess the uh consequences of what you say you know because it's not really self-awareness like right, can, right yeah they don't give a shit <laughs> they say whatever they want like it's not if, as long as it doesn't offend me some people will just use that argument you know they'll be like well that's not offensive to me yeah, it's but, not offensive to me yeah. but like some things aren't offensive to you because you don't relate to them so like i i don't know man it's like, some things aren't offensive to you. There are things that aren't offensive to me that I don't say. Because, like, they might be offensive to other people. At the same time, like, there's a limit. Bagel in chat jokingly says my ancestors had the Black Plague. Like, it's old enough that I think people can joke about that right, a little bit. Like, like yes, know. it clear, you know, it killed, you know. like, the Black Plague killed a, a fuck ton of people. Like, a lot of people. But at the same time... It's like being a member of society, you know yeah. what you know, you know what has the connotation that's going to upset someone. Like I hate when people try to get like really cheeky like that, you know, and they're I'm gonna use cheeky here, this is my first time <laughs> in this real setting, but you know, they, they try to just act like uh, like, Oh, well, you know, uh, a big one is rape, right? They'll be like uh, why can't yeah. I say I? I'm sorry for using it in this. Uh, you know, I'm quoting other people. 100%, well, you're, you're mentioning and you're that. not using, yeah. so you're mm -hmm. good. Right, so people will be like, "Why can't I say, oh, I just raped that uh, that asshole' <laughs> instead of like, oh, I just murdered that guy because like murder doesn't have the same connotation yeah, as sure. rape it's not you know it, you know what very... you know what my favorite thing this actually comes from Durgius. he he says that guy got rinsed. I just did his dishes. Right. I think that's hilarious <laughs> all right, all that right. makes me smile as yeah. i'm I'm beating kids <laughs> up, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think to an extent that sort of stuff is potentially offensive, at best not necessary, like, etc. Um, but then, like, and also, just to be fair, Chad, there's a difference between using a word and mentioning it, otherwise you would never be able to talk about anything <laughs> remotely offensive. Uh, you have to be able to talk about things, that's still important. Styling on some kids, sure, that's fine. Shrek is actually kind of a 
awkward reference so yeah 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 <laughs> it's like that's I don't like think anybody thinks about about the yeah original <laughs> the original reference is like eh, child molestation eh, yeah not not really cool fucked on is also like like and and what's what's shocking right is the terminology that people use once again like to say get raped is is so deep right like there's so many different levels of the way we do it. Get fucked on, get destroyed, mm-hmm. spread cheeks. Like there's so many different levels that people use to to essentially allude to the same thing. It's actually kind of disturbing when you it's think scary. about it. It really is, yeah. How did that kind of concept become so prevalent? Incredibly prevalent yeah. in video games. Disturbingly prevalent in video games. I think part of it, obviously, because video games is a male-dominant culture and blah, 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 yeah. patriarchy, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but, like, it is shocking how deeply ingrained in gamer culture that is. Absolutely shocking. Destruction's fine. Mm-hmm. But, like... Yeah, in no game are you ever in a situation that you you know that you're trying to like not even someone. rockstar that's, has you know, done that i don't yeah. think so that's that's the thing that and that rockstar has done why everything we, yeah. it's yeah yeah it's true why do we associate like molestation with destroying someone that's that's, a, that's yeah a that's also pretty kind of disturbing yeah. i don't uh, really exactly. want to go into that just because yeah. but like just like think about the start of that conversation Right. Gives and me the heebie-jeebies. And I think that's why people really need to consider, you know, what they're saying more and, like, the impact of uh, where they're, where it's coming from and the kind of uh, effect that it has, really. Yeah, but... Man, I don't know, like... I Once again, I don't want to get into, like, the Tumblr and Reddit and MRA side of this conversation. And to an extent, like, talking shit is important to video games it's important to like all sports like even what is it i think i think basketball there's a rule where you can't like you can't engage in your opponent with your opponent in a certain way after you score a uh, score a whatever it's called a hoop whatever after you put the ball in the hoop you can't just be like <laughs> fucking touchdown, touchdown. i'm better than you yeah after you you're playing basketball and after you score a touchdown you no, can't I just be like touchdowns i'm the fucking best your garbage get shit on you can't do that i'm pretty sure it's against the rules a basket that's right <laughs> but at the same time i thought you were joking oh my god no i just right. totally I forgot to the word joke with you Holy <laughs> i totally shit. forgot the word I'm but at the here, same folks. time like players will still just like be like and just death stare the camera or de- yeah. not the camera. I'm death staring the camera, but like death stare the person they scored on, right? Because that's the same thing. You can't really ban that. They're just looking at them. So like, like talking shit, taunting, in some way, is a part of sports. Oh yeah, it's like it's literally too. half of why people like hockey. Right, and it's part of people's character. You know, when you're um, a, a professional True. player in anything, you you're establishing a, a persona for yourself, a character for yourself that uh, you know that you really want. Um, sure. To be able to freely do. Uh, you're intrinsically you do. branding yeah. yourself. 
Exactly. Yeah. Like on my stream, I'm gonna be honest. On my stream, I'll be talking shit all the time. I make a big announcement usually. Whenever somebody that was in my game shows up in chat, I'll be like, "Listen, if you go back and watch the VOD, homie, um, I was not. None of that was directed <laughs> at you. That is. Imagine I am talking to the god that I'm facing and not you, because I 100% don't want to sure. offend anyone or make them. You're think not trying to hurt I'm people's feelings. Them. Yeah, I'm just getting myself pumped up, and I'm trying to give a good show for the chat you know it's not that i'm trying to ever shame somebody else so but i think that's you know an important thing to realize and to still be able to do in a good way you know i don't know if i do it in the perfect way i'm not a saint but yeah but there, there's a way to talk shit without like man i hate that this word is like a joke now without triggering people i think that's a really yeah. important word i hate no, I that it's it a joke yeah um there's a way to talk shit without triggering people, and I think, I think get shit on is like awkward. I think that's <laughs> such an awkward way to talk shit. Yeah. Why is why is the entire like all of the language based around smack talk? Just feces. Why is all of it shit? I don't get it. But at the same time, like. There's so many creative and interesting ways to inform someone that you are ten times better than them than saying get raped. So many, one of my favorites was is I think it was Call of Duty, man. The YouTube video of the guy that goes, Look at my bank account. Look at my bank yeah, account. Yeah, yeah. Look at my bank Like that's the fucking best. There's so right. many ways to talk poop. So many ways to talk shit that are just so much more interesting and aren't triggering and aren't offensive. That's awesome. And, right. you know, like, in the heat of the moment, sometimes it can be really dynamic and interesting just to say get dumpster, get shit on, etc. But I think, I think we need more diversity in the way that, that we talk smack to each other. And you can, you can use almost anything, right? Like, I, I mean, I had a series of YouTube videos where I just, like, instead of shit talk, I would, I would name the title something that was, like, phrased like shit talk but it was like just doing something nice for somebody like took him out to dinner i just took this kid out to dinner like <laughs> that like you know that that's shit talk even though the words are completely yeah. not shit talk it's <laughs> it's really weird um but yeah man like and i i also think there's an important part about being a pro player like engaging in that activity of smack talk and, and really rivalry is i think what it is without being a complete piece of shit <laughs> without right. ruining your reputations or hurting people's feelings or or whatever uh and i think that's that's really important as well um but you know just to get back to it man like we mentioned it, like part of being a pro player is branding yourself people look up to you people idolize you you're trying to be the best at what you do and Actually, I want to address this. Oduro in chat, um, mid laner of Legion. Uh, the whole idea of shit talk was to piss people off and get in their heads. The easiest way to do, or say, to do it is to say something offensive that you know is a subject you talk, shouldn't talk about, but will for sure get a reaction. Yeah, kind of, but like... I don't think we need to go to that level, though. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, there you go. Talked him into bed, sent him into bed without supper. Like, I think that still has a similar cognitive effect. In fact, I think it's even a little more annoying. Because at, a, at some point, you just get desensitized to, like, the horrible smack talk people use. 
and then you just fire back and it's just pointless but but i think in uh intelligent creative smack talk is is hilarious to watch yeah to watch and listen to um but yeah man like pro players i think are intrinsically branding themselves i think part of it is being a role model to some extent now that's not for every player there's some players that like aren't really role models at all like i don't think there are many people well i don't know like can you think of an example of a pro player that's just not really a role model not i'm not saying they're not a good role model i'm just saying that they are not a role model Mm. like on a decent team yeah i don't know other than no i wanted to say the best but like uh yeah he probably was still a role model like he was quite young. He, had, he yeah. played Smite very well. Like he he like wore his Dignitas jersey or sweatshirt to high school probably, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty freaking yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. And I know he has a lot of very diehard fans too, so Yeah. yeah. So I don't so, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, pretty like, much anyone that puts themselves out there, yeah. Is unless unless way, like yeah. no one Unless your team has like poor branding and like nobody knows you are, yeah, yeah, likes then you, you fly completely under the radar. Which, yeah. yeah, you fly under the radar. Members of upcoming stars, like their uh, their coach analyst, Fairboo, right? Nobody knows yeah. who the fuck he is. Yeah, <laughs> but um, oh my god, probably just some random. But like, no, but like then that changes, right? Either your team breaks yeah. up, which is unfortunate if any team breaks up, uh, unless you know some way I profit of it. In which case, it's very fortunate. Uh, and I suggest that you break up immediately. Um, like, there are some teams that just fly under the radar, but will then eventually yeah, you know grow. Yeah, I guess I would say uh, Upcoming Star is definitely the team that I know the least about out of any. Irons, I don't know a that's thing true. about Irons. I think that's also a problem with the EU scene in general. Like, mm. what EU player do you know the most about? I'll give you Sun a Touch. hint. Yeah, it's Suntouch. Yeah, totally Suntouch. <laughs> He's like... I don't know, man. Like, everyone knows Suntouch, but, like, who is number two? Maybe Trick Tank? I was gonna say Raffer. <laughs> yeah, maybe Raffer. Raffer's got a decent <laughs> personality, yeah. Yeah, he's out there. He's got a decent brand. I... I don't but know. Yeah, Trick Tank, um... Hmm. There aren't that many. No, it's true. Suntouch is Young the Bay last of the year. quite a personality about him. Youngbae is hilarious, man. Yeah. I I loved Youngbae the first time I saw after he won the launch event and he bought a Louis Vuitton belt. And like <laughs> like the most like Louis Vuitton belt there is. Like the the belt buckle was an LV. <laughs> right? And there there are people in chat who are like saying Confrey, Youngbae, uh Zap, Zap man. Etc. Yeah, Zapman, very well-known <laughs> EU player. Warchi. Warchi is huge in, in uh, the Spanish community, so I would definitely say him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is definitely a branding issue. Like, Yeah, I think 100% there is. That's why a lot of people... So Fnatic, will... right? Like, I think TSM right now, you could say they're the best team in NA. At least, it, like, just looking at the current split. They've got the best mm-hmm. score... Or no, they don't have the best score. C9 uh, is C9 best score. Right yeah, C9 yeah. is best score. But I want to talk about looking C- objectively. Yeah. I want to talk about TSM anyway. Like, mm-hmm. um, TSM is very good. Uh, and when you look at them, and you're like, Snoopy, 
you still kind of like know who Snoopy is. You kind of know what he's like. Whereas, like, if I look at a team in a similar position, which right now is Fnatic, just in terms of score, I think Reels people know a fair bit about, and Captain Twig's streams, but what the fuck do people know about Zeros? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know how to pronounce his name. I'm pretty sure it's just Zeros. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, Still, man. Yeah. Like, I lost faith in EU names when I saw Moex. <laughs> I just looked at his name and I was like, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I don't know yeah, how to pronounce that. I know that. blue for zeros, but I don't know why it's blue for zeros. You know that? No, I People don't. change their name to, to blue in chat for zeros, and I don't know why. Oh, okay. Cool. That's what you do, though. But, yeah, and it's just like, I don't know. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, chat's just like that. zeros is scary. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we <laughs> yeah. know about him. And he's a scary. He's a scary player. To yeah, an extent, yeah. I think he expresses himself picture, through his play, yeah. but, like, um... I feel like people don't know that much about him. Even, uh, even, um, apparently I have to check Skype. Mm-hmm. I was about to relay that message to you, but I'm sure you see e- it. Yeah, even even a player like Cyclone Spin, who has very little public personality, um, has has a clearly evidenced personality in a. In, in the way that they perform their game. And I think part of that mm-hmm. has to do with also the way that high-res people talk about and, like, casters talk about players. But I think they still do that to a similar extent for the U team. So I don't really know what the difference is. It's Yeah, I, I think you have a really strong point that it is a lot of the branding of your image. Uh, you know, a lot of the reason I feel like people undervalue um, uh, or... Yeah, I guess undervalue uh, EU teams and like don't favor them as much as NA as a spectator um, is because they, you know, they don't see enough of them. They don't know enough about these players. Like NA, almost every player has character, and you don't get to see it as much as the EU. I don't know if it's because you know Hi-Rez is located in North America, everything like that, and there's more of that. Uh, you know, you see these players uh, actively more, but I don't know, man. It's it's unfortunate, honestly, because the EU scene is fucking incredible. Like. You just gotta have to do a little bit of digging, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that sucks. Part of it, though, I just feel like there are less EU streamers. Okay. That's so. True. That's true. But to an extent, though, to an extent, do you think Hyrus has favored NA for reasons other than the fact that Hyrus lives in NA and can fly them out to events for much less money? That's a good question. Um... Damn, I don't know. Because, I mean, the players, you know, like I said, you, they have more character, you know them more, but I don't know if that's because... But, yeah, like, is, yeah. It, is it it's cognitive bias because yeah. I'm from NA? And to right. an extent, I think it is, right? Like, yeah. I've gotten in ranked games and talked to Snoopy on Curse. And, like, now I know who Snoopy is. And I think, to an extent, that makes NA favorable and marketable and mo- the SBO casters live in North America because they live in Atlanta so they do that too and they queue on NA at the same times I've got into into EU games and played on the same team as like EU pro players and played against Iraffer but nobody was on curse so I didn't learn anything about anybody that's very true <laughs> people don't and actually actually I think that is a point though I think the lack of EU players being on curse in streams yeah there's an overall lack of communication you don't but know but it these also players. it also like 
when I watch Zatman's stream, I can learn a little bit about Snoopy because he's on Curse with Zatman or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Yeah, you hear the discourse, you hear them joking around with each other, uh, and you just don't see that in uh, in EU. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's an important to, point. To an extent, like, once again, not completely defending Hyrus, but you do have to account for the fact that they live in North America. And so, like, doing stuff in EU is definitely different. And oh, yeah. there are legitimate reasons that EU players don't use Curse, but, like, they don't. That Like, that's just a fact. Mm -hmm. Language is definitely a huge part of that, and attitudes are definitely a huge part of that, but they don't. And that's a yeah, fact. And it's definitely, uh, yeah, it's 100% it's fact because I watch Suntouch's stream a lot. And I've yet to learn anything about a player that isn't on uh, LC. Because I just, you know, it, it's because not Because you don't hear it. There's anything. no yeah. evidence. I... <laughs> yeah. Um, do you, do I think EU servers having issues playing the fact that EU players aren't noticing much? No. I think EU servers having issues sucks. Mm -hmm. Like that that sucks, man. I'm sorry that you have to deal with that, but I don't think that affects the visibility of EU players. Like if right. EU servers were better, I wouldn't uh I wouldn't play on EU, but like and and part of it does have to do with I think casters and players like living in North America and if, yeah, every so often important. you see like Maddie Pocket in your casual game and you're like, "Oh, hey Maddie," and like you know a little bit more about him and to an extent, I think it's that NA teams have historically been more marketable, like, since the get-go, right? Like, you had Curse, and you had Root, and in EU, you kind of had Copenhagen Wolves, but, like, maybe only Spoo talked, and he wasn't really in the scene anymore, and we really hardly knew anything about Hiroka or Badja at all. Like, for Copenhagen Wolves, people knew some stuff about Spray Iron, and they knew about Spoo, and that was kind of, and maybe a little bit young baby, but that was basically it. Uh, so maybe it's like has to do with the history as well. Um, I I think it's probably a really, really complex issue. Yeah, is what I'm getting at here. And I think there's a lot of factors, but at the same time, it is clearly evidence that EU players are less well known than NA players as a result. Not entirely, but partially as a result, they are less marketable than NA players. Mm -hmm. There are there's a lack of NA streamers for whatever reason, or EU streamers for whatever reason, and I think that's weird. Um, with the exception of like Warchi and Suntouch doing fairly well for themselves, who else streams in EU and is quite successful, right? Like, right. I mean, Hindu man, uh, as people are saying in chat, he's definitely like the face of EU, and it's funny because he's not he's not yeah. a player, you know. He's it's a, like Hindu uh, man and Suntouch are like Europe, right? And right. they both live in the UK. Yeah, <laughs> they're not right, even that's... like the UK is like yeah. not even that European, right? And, we need and, like yeah, we need like a, a great Scandinavian player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. But like part of part of the point that I'm proving about like just NA casters, uh. NA casters relating to NA players is like Hindu man does have a massive amount of EU knowledge because that's yeah. where he lives and he talks to these players and he knows them. Now there are obviously some players that and casters that are somewhat more um more you know relating to EU players than others, but like there's also Twitch not favoring EU players as much, and I think that's a vicious cycle. So for those of you who don't know, a vicious cycle is something that like is the result of itself, right? So, like, I don't have a car, and because I don't have a car, I can't get to work. 
so I can't get a job. And because I don't have a job, I can't get a car. And that's just a circle. And, like, I'm just kind of fucked. And I think to an extent, a lack of EU streamers is caused by a lack of people watching EU streamers, which is caused by a lack of EU streamers. And I think that's partially a vicious cycle. And, like, there's a lot of stuff going on now. So maybe it just, like, got started off that way. I don't really know. But I would absolutely love to... um, I would absolutely love to see more presence from you. And there are also teams that are more marketable. Like, I don't fucking know what... Actually, it probably has to do with the rhetoric coming around. Shit, man. Me and FDOT might be responsible for this to, <laughs> to some extent, right? Like, I think Titan is a very, very marketable EU team. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with the rhetoric around Titan and their story going into Worlds. It's it's the Cinderella story, right? From Rags yeah, Riches. Yeah. From the Challenger Cup to Worlds... Getting second place. It's true. I don't think the Eager House is going to move to EU, but you know it was really also uh, very um, something that drew me in to the EU scene more was uh, the video that uh, Hira that Hyrus did for Ataraxia when uh, yeah totally. when he was brought to Worlds. That was amazing. You know, we have more of things like that, and it's just so much more of a pull towards that side of the community. Uh, just so much more of. Uh, an entrance into uh, into the player's world, you know? It was really, really cool. I encourage you guys to watch that if you haven't seen it before. I remember... I actually really like those videos. I thought they were really cool. Um, yeah. I remember for Worlds I handled... I worked with Press, and part of it was for Press Week, I was doing the eSports thing with... Uh, it was me, Lionheart, Weekend, and Incon. And we watched the Barracuda, the Barracuda video like five times. <laughs> like yeah i have seen barracuda getting out of bed <laughs> so many more times than i needed to and then the part where he like sits on the mountain but like yeah, even yeah. then i know that video more than i know ataraxia and ataraxia is my boy like i have him added on skype i don't have barracuda on skype do you know mm-hmm. ataraxia is two first names ataraxia. his name is nate mark he has two first Damn. names yeah dude Damn. like and he's a really cool dude, but even even him, who I think would be quite marketable, even him isn't that popular. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, this is really interesting. And, and part of it, so Slacktivist is bringing this up. Replicas and country wouldn't have a chance to live by streaming uh, stream income in Denmark. You get like 250 as a sub per sub. 50% of that goes to the state, etc. Because of really? taxes. Uh-huh. And bag of bread costs $3. And that sucks. But like part of being a, a, you know, part of being a pro player is also diversifying your income, right? Like streaming and youtube and sponsorship and merchandise and tournament winnings and spl like like the list goes on so that that's definitely part of it and it's part of the issue like i don't think there are many pro players that can make it make a living um yeah no that's very short a very short list well i also think part of it is um more support of the uc and supporting the right people because Mm. i think and this is like really speculating something I don't know much about, but it seems to make sense to me that if you get one or two or a few more EU pro players that are really marketable, adapting because of his raw mechanical skill, 
uh, Ataraxia because he's basically American. Um, <laughs> then maybe that could open the door to more pro players getting more marketability. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, damn dare. Shit, just dropping bombs in chat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Ooh. Ooh, I think I'm blushing a little bit. Ooh. All right, anyway. um, Yeah, NA dominant streaming, and that's a fact. But, like, I don't. I think there's so many factors in there. Partially, I think Hyrus is to blame to an extent, but I don't think it's entirely them. Yeah, a lot of it is working your own self-image. Like, like we said, you have to create that that image, you know. And I don't know if I can blame the players for not uh, well, doing and, enough. And it's actually, very I think part of that. it is some of the OG EU players who do stream mm-hmm. stop playing Smite. Proxy's not here anymore. Like That's Proxy's true. name, um, Game Hunter. Even. Back in the day, was Twitch TV Proxy QQ. Mm. His name was literally his Twitch TV URL. Like he was that guy. Right. He didn't play Smite anymore because he's banned, and like Sayo like left. And so, yeah, just sort of. I don't know, man. Like I think I think part of it is. Uh, Damn, dear. Yeah, I was about Shit, to say, dude. Speaking, speaking of... I'm, speaking I'm about of to... Censoring yourself. <laughs> like, I'm about oh. to go, like, pick up my mic spin, go in there, and start breaking his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I need to Jesus lock my door before he comes in there. Anyway, uh, Proxy's banned for being an asshole or something. But, like, um, I, I think there's a lot of factors. I think part of it is, to an extent, high-res. I think part of it is, to an extent... Uh, situations involving the EU streamers so like I don't know man it sucks shit (laughs) I know it's Ah, ah, ah. oh shit he's just coming for the cheese balls alright we're good (laughs) we're good we made just took my cheese balls man I'm mad I'm salty alright so anyway um I'm watching it now (laughs) yeah right oh it was good quality banter so so but i think to an extent we've touched on the sort of things you need to think about if you want to understand why eu is less popular on twitch yeah and i think what's the the solution yeah that's that's yeah that's what i like to talk about regardless of what the uh, the reasoning is you have certain people thriving like you have suntouch absolutely thriving one of the most successful smite streamers right now um and it's you know he he works for it man he puts so much effort into it um he grows his own community um he's very uh very comfortable with uh with his viewers things like that you know it creates a very like kind of like family feel to his stream like most of the successful streamers do um and i think regardless of the unfortunate circumstances uh, whatever is putting eu in this tough kind of spot that they're in um just perseverance it shows with people like suntouch you know does work out for you well i think suntouch also got in at the right time in the right way marketed himself properly like mm. i don't want to call it luck but it's sort of like there were a number of chance-based things that happened at the same time, and the re- and the result is that Suntouch is quite a popular streamer, right? Like, and yeah, it's, it's not hard. even like not giving him credit. It's like 
he's a likable guy who started streaming at the right time and with the right consistency and like had good uh, he stuck to his schedule and he marketed himself properly and like all these different things that he did well and he had dope you know uh, emotes and he's like like he just conducted himself well and did it right and like props to him but i think he also like not all of those things will happen for everyone not all of those things will happen for every streamer and i think to an extent they have for most of the very popular streamers uh in smite but like and actually here's another point from not xox optic which was a mouthful uh I think a lot of the EU players don't interact with the community as well. And yeah. I think there is not a great presence from EU SPL players on Twitter, which is definitely not Hyrus's fault. Yeah. Like, exactly. completely not their fault. But, like, who from... There's a lot of maliciousness that goes on, too, and I don't know where that started. Yeah, I think, I think the EU challenger scene right now is the thing where you look at it and you're like, Ugh. but, like, mm. EU SPL is decent. They're not that bad. Except for maybe Iraffer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like looking at the teams, like the Night's Watch, who tweets the most from that team? NQ, maybe. Oh, maybe yeah, Zindern, yeah. right? Like NQ or Zindern. Trig, yeah. who tweets the most? Fucking nobody. <laughs> Upcoming stars, who tweets the most? Flare Boot. Team Team mm-hmm. Tells, who tweets the most? I don't know. Mm, Variety? Yeah, Shadow Nightmare? Lung Conspiracy, who cheats the most? That's easy, it's Suntouch. Epsilon, who cheats the most? Probably Iraffer. Fnatic, who tweets the most? Mm. The number one team in EU, considered by a lot of people, Fnatic. Which one of them uses Twitter? I mean, I know I see reels. I follow from reels. time to time, but he does not tweet I, I, often. No, I know. I see he's good at every it every once in a while. He's good at yeah. it, but it is not often. Yeah, even Twig, who's like so popular with the like Joust community sure. and like other things too, you don't see him that much. Yeah, on, on Twitter, totally. Yeah. Um, and then like Titan, Titan, you just Confrey. Confrey is very popular. Confrey right tweets now. a lot. Yeah, Confrey's yeah. pretty good about it, and and uh, Coach is quite good on Twitter as well. But like mm-hmm. even then, compared to like yeah. any teams, there is much less Twitter interaction. Right. right? If you look like, at the follower counts, things like that, and follower uh, counts as well. But I think that's also probably. like a side effect of streaming and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know who that's tweets true. for me you the most? Flair and Prime's girlfriend. Shout out to Blame <laughs> the Tank. Got it. Dead on. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, Maniac God. tweets a lot too, um, from Fnatic. But like. Mm-hmm. like who tweets in NA? Well, from C9, Barracuda, Jeff, occasionally Anninster, from TSM, Gars, kind of. TSM, honestly, not that good at marketing themselves. No, yeah, TSM really kind of lacking there. Like, they sort of, if they weren't in the immense spotlight that they were in from, like, uh, from, you know, getting themselves there uh, talent-wise, they, no one when would Dara know When entered the room, this like, was Boosh? full. He I don't ate, know anything about he the ate other than that, half of he this is a god. In the yeah, last that's 10 all minutes. we know. It's mostly based on the cast. Sorry, I was talking about my cheese balls. Um <laughs> Like AFK though, I think you've got like Allied, right? For Legion, Pern, uh for Eager, mm-hmm. Lasses, Zap, me. <laughs> I tweet the most by far. Yeah. Yeah. But I think all of Eager has a pretty good Twitter presence. He's, he's good. Nah, you know. uh, Shadow, yeah, great on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> Definitely should follow him at Eager and Shadow right above his oh. face. Uh, Denial, Shadow Q, some some Shang. 
Um, yeah, yeah, some something. And then like, and, and for TSM, like I'm not even talking about TSM as an organization marketing their their uh, Smite team. Like Spiff's already talked about it. I I don't even need to say anything. Watch his video; he nails it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, TSM as players, I don't think do a good job of marketing themselves. Aurora does have a Twitter, yeah. Uh, Thirst tweets totally count, dude. Totally count. You know who else is big in Wolfie? That's not even who's big in NA that doesn't even have a team. I always say it's Wolfie. Like he tweets a fair amount. Cog, uh, Cog doesn't tweet that much. So it's all about like wanting to brand yourself, though. As you can see, you know, even if you're not on a team like Wolfie, it's about putting your image out there. So like, yeah, I mean, but to an extent, I think Wolfie was already uh, already a fairly big personality and on Twitter and stuff like that. That's true. That's true. And Twitch and. But, you know, you can be on the most successful team and have no, like, public spotlight on you, like like we were talking about with the players of TSM that don't tweet much, you know? So, I guess, like, is that a bad thing, though, do you think? If they're not putting themselves out there as much? I think it's a missed it, opportunity. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's the big thing. Like, players aren't realizing that, you know, being in the position that they are, they have so much opportunity uh, to, you know, cater to their fan base, uh, interact with uh, the community, things like that. Just open up so many more doors for you. Uh, being known is just so, so important. And being well-liked, of course, is important. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it is a missed opportunity. But, but the point stands that, like, by default, part of being a pro player, part of making money as a professional player right now, obviously you could just win Worlds. C9. You could do that. You could totally do that. But part of being a pro player is also marketing yourself well. I don't know if Heroin tweets because he blocks me. I don't even know why he blocked me. Damn. Man. Yeah, dude. Shit on. I know, See? man. Shit on. There it is. I know, man. Dude, please, that offends me, okay? <laughs> Alright, Loki shit in the house, like, yesterday, <laughs> and it offends me if you talk about it. Um, but, like, I feel, I feel like EU and TSM, another team, criminally under-marketing themselves. But EU as well, I think, does a lot of under-marketing, right? There are some great players with great personalities and uh a lot of the personal branding at well as well is very important but i also think i also think the smite community is conditioned through like years of just the way it's been to not pay attention to the eu scene in terms of personalities we just don't man and partially that's hyrus's fault for sure but partially, it's also EU players historically not interacting with the community as much. And I think it's really a shame. Uh, and I'd really like... I'd really like to see more. But, like, no, people totally totally visit EU streams, man. Like, I was at Hyrus in October, and there were people, like, watching Zelia's stream. I watched him... We watched him get, like, a... A Scylla alt kill over a wall. It was dope, but like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I think like we said, like, uh, unfortunately, regardless of how, since we can't pinpoint exactly the reasoning, that they have to put a little bit more effort into it. Um, 
Well, everyone really does. Want everyone does. Oh, it's no, the I EU mean, players like, branding themselves yeah. better. It's high res mm-hmm. branding EU more. Right. It's the casters engaging more more with the EU community. It's the EU mm-hmm. community engaging more with everybody. Like, yeah, I meant for you. All like, that has for to you happen. as an EU player as yourself, you're at a disadvantage right now. You have to put Definitely. forth more effort than an NA player Definitely. would. So that's yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, which really sucks. But yeah, it hey. does. But yeah, these these are the hands we are dealt, friends. They are indeed. But um, wait. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know what uh. I know what Flair's talking about. That's true, that does happen, but Flair, your challenger scene is in disarray. <laughs> I haven't even been able to keep up with the amount of things that have been going on. In uh, seriously, it's <laughs> fucking crazy. Shit. But, I mean, and, and so here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that, that just happened in chat and I want to talk about because I think it's important. Blair Boot says, like, at least EU players haven't been banned for being racist. And while it's, like, true, there are any players who have been banned for, like, really poor behavior. And Meerkat responds, generalize entire continent on two players' actions unrelated to the discussion. And, you know, like, whatever. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. People do that naturally, dude. We generalize naturally. We say, this dude said this thing, therefore his entire team... His entire region, his entire, like, everyone he associates with thinks that. Like, that is a natural cognitive process that people do. People do generalize. People do look at one person and say, oh, Weekend's attitude represents all of AFK. Mm-hmm. And that sucks, dude. That's why PR is but so it's important. So right important. It's so important. People look at Dare to Care and they say, what Dare said, Lassus thinks that too. Which is probably untrue, because Dare's from frickin' Mississippi. And, like, I don't think they have ever thought the same thing in their life. And that sucks, but you have to think about it. You have to think about it if you're a pro player, because you represent yourself, your brand, your team, and to an extent, your region. And that sucks. It's a lot of pressure, but I think it's just, like part of the game it's marketing and part of part of gaming culture part of twitch part of youtube is marketing yourself it's absolutely vital i mean just look at like popular youtubers or even unpopular youtubers the people that like tweet at keemstar and they're like hey man look at my youtube and he's like blocked right (laughs) i love keemstar he's so funny but like look at their Look at their YouTube videos. They all have, like, these, like, pictures that's, like, Dry Bear. Perfect example. Uh, let, me, let me find, like, a Dry Bear video real quick. But you know what I'm talking about, Shadow? Like, with the, with the like, pictures that have, like, this, like, flashy text. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. It's essential marketing. It's something cognitive. So, like, there nice. we go. Five months ago, Smite Chalk gameplay dash. Wait for it. Dry Bear Gamers, and it's like a dope picture of Chalk, and it says Smite, and it says Chalk gameplay. That's marketing, dude. That's part of the game. It's so vital to the way that you represent itself yourself. And I think one of the bigger parts about that that a lot of players don't fully realize is the way that you represent yourself your team, your country, your region, 
your organization, like, you represent so many things. Your role. Hell, like, if one jungler is BM, people be like, oh, all junglers are BM. And that's natural. You can't, like... I want to say you can't even fault them for that. Like, that's just the way that people think. Right. Programmed to do it. And so you have to think about your brand. And you have to think about public relations. Or you're going to fuck yourself and you're going to fuck your team. I think it is vital to being a pro player. Now, you can just do nothing. And that's fine. You probably won't make YouTube money. You probably won't make Twitch money. And I don't think there's really Twitter money. If there is, like, someone let me know. But you can totally fuck your team by being a dick. Right. And another part is uh, what Spiff said in chat earlier, actually. He made a comment about, like, what TSM is doing uh, very often in their, uh, you know, general way of going about it. You can tell it's kind of like uh, what certain pro athletes do with, you know, putting their all into their play and letting it speak for itself. But it's not so much creating um, an image for themselves that's marketable. Um, and it's, you know, if things ever go sour or they switch communities, things like that, you know, it's kind of putting them in a rough spot. Sure, you were on this championship team and that's amazing. You have all these, you know, uh, accolades, but who are you, you know? And if people don't know you, then that's a big problem. Yeah, and then the way that you, the way that you represent yourself is crucial to, to making money. Like, what was it, two years ago? More than two years ago, probably three years ago at this point, Lasses started streaming Smite as his job. DM Brandon did the same thing. And none of them can do that if they don't brand themselves well. It's it's absolutely vital. You can't avoid it if you want to make gaming a full-time job. Unless you fucking win Worlds, you could totally try and do that too. But good luck. Because everyone wants to, and it's hard, hard, hard work. Um... But yeah, like, you gotta brand yourself well, man. You gotta think about PR. You gotta not be a complete asshole. And it's not that hard. Honestly, it isn't. You just are like, is what I'm saying potentially offensive? And if you cannot answer no, even if you're like, I don't know, just don't fucking do it. Just say nothing. Because that's fine. That's right. neutral. The status quo is you not saying anything. But as long, but like, if you want to work on developing your brands, promoting yourself more, working with Twitch, man, I'm sure you could reach out to someone at Hi-Res and they would be happy to help you. I'm sure you can send a message to like Adam and be like, hey man, I want to grow my brand. What can I do? Who can I talk to? Who can give me some pointers here? And I'm sure they've got someone who like would love to help. But it's hard work and it's, it's just built into the job of playing professionally like you represent something i think each pro team should have a pr manager that actively talks to the players like once a week or something even once a fucking yeah, month yeah. you know just like yeah. see where they're at check out what they've been up to things like that like i don't know i just feel like it's so important for uh, organizations to do yeah and you know the other part of it honestly i think right now in the spl most people are pretty good, right? Like, there aren't that many... Even even the SPL players who are, like, the bad boys and the assholes, like Derek and Omega, like, they're fine. They're heels. They're not complete dickwads. Weaken as mm -hmm. well. Hell, we can call him a heel. I guess we're rounding up, but that's fine. <laughs> like, Damn. 
No, but, like, it's it's okay. The problem is, I think, the Challenger Cup scene, who, like, don't quite get it yet. You know, they don't, they haven't hit the big time, they're not in the SPL, so maybe it doesn't matter as much, maybe they're not as professional, I don't know, but they're not, in general. It's really more the EU Challenger scene, honestly, I'm basically talking about Six Sigma, but there's, there's the other team, Laser Unicorns as well, like, they went in on Twitter the other day too, like... Did you say Laser Unicorns? Yeah, they're like, fourth seed EU Challenger Cup or something, I don't know. Huh. Um... <laughs> See, I did that. My point is that, like, <laughs> I think that's where a lot of the the people can make a negative brand for themselves. Because, honestly, real talk, the Challenger Cup has not mattered unless you're Eager, Epsilon, or Gilitas mm. when, basically, when they became Kagakila. And Potato Boys. Yeah, yeah, and to an extent Potato Boys, but only because of Suntouch. Yeah, yeah. That's the true. people in the Challenger Cup have not had the opportunity to make any branding for themselves in any way that isn't negative. That's true. Like, oh, and, and Legion, of course. Yeah, Pern as well. Yeah, yeah. But, like, like, if you're not already someone that people know... You don't have the opportunity. God, I just punched my mic. You don't have the opportunity to brand yourself in any way that isn't negative, right? And that's very interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a lot about first impressions too, because people don't know you, True. right? So they hear this one really bad thing that happened with uh, with you involved, and then whoop, you know, suddenly you have a terrible uh, reputation. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be careful, man. So, yeah. Anyway, guys, it's been a hot hour and a half. It's hard Is work it literally to hot? build a Do you brand. Have air conditioning over there? Uh, I've, been, I've been moving around a lot, Shadow. I'm kind of warm. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it's been a hot hour and a half. I hope you enjoyed the show. I've been Cret. This has been my boy, Shadow. Shadow, where can the people find you? They can find me on Twitter at EagerNShadow, guys, or on Twitch at NShadow. And uh, you can find me right up here. VOD's going to be on YouTube in... Why the fuck am I saying this? Y'all watch the stream. VOD's going to be on YouTube in after it processes. Maybe two hours. I don't know. It's been a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for coming out. I love you all. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace out, guys.